shepherd's faith. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Oh, come, all ye. Come on. Where are your hearts, men? We can't give up. What's the use? They think we're crazy. Yes, I see it, but it doesn't negate what we know and what we've seen. Maybe we didn't see what we thought we saw. Leo's right. The more that we talk about it, more people ask questions. It sounds unbelievable, even as words come out of our own mouths. So let me get this straight. What we experienced on that hill was just a mistake? An apparition? Huh? Nonsense. What we saw was the fulfilled prophecy right under our noses, men. It would take more faith to imagine that we were all suffering from sleep deprivation or we all ate of the same bad pot of stew than to just believe. We know what we've seen. We know what we've heard. God came near, men. Do not be afraid. That's what the angel said. That's what the bright light said. You know it. You can't forget about it. Do not be afraid. That's the story that we've been saying over and over for days. It's been weeks. If you put us in four different rooms and you interrogate us, we all have the same story. An interrogation is exactly what's going to happen to us if Herod gets wind of this. Herod has killed for lesser things. Y'all remember when we ran to the barn? When we ran to that barn and we saw the baby, the Messiah, the story that we've been hearing about since we were children, the story that our great-great-grandparents passed down to us. Didn't we know? When we saw that baby, didn't we catch an inkling of what, of what our mission was supposed to be? We are not just mere sheep herders. We get to tell the story, gentlemen. To repeat that a Savior, that the Messiah was born in Bethlehem. The joyous announcement that is for everyone. Glory to God in heaven and peace on earth to all who believe. I believe. I cannot help but believe. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Oh, come, all ye faithful.
Hallelujah. Woo. Praise God. Amen. How many of you were not at the stable, but you believe Him? I wasn't there. I mean, I know I'm getting old. I'm not that old. But I believe in Him. The shepherds in this video were shown as people who were questioning what it was they had seen that night. Have you ever wondered if what you saw or heard in God was actually what you saw or heard? Can you imagine if an entire host of angels showed up? I was born in the 60s, lived very young in the 70s, so I'm telling you right now that some things could come back on me, if you know what I mean. What had exactly they experienced? Well, to remind ourselves, let's take a read. Let's look at the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter, and let's try to refresh our memories, what they did in fact see. Luke chapter 2, beginning in the 8th verse. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom His favor rests. That night, the shepherds were simply doing what shepherds do, living among their sheep, minding their own business, expecting nothing of this sort whatsoever, watching out for those that they take care of, just living among the sheep. Then something changed everything. An angel of the Lord appeared with an announcement. Can we take a pause right here? Let me repeat that. An angel of the Lord appeared. How many of you have ever been around church and spirit-filled folk long enough to have heard stories about preachers seeking God and they knew that an angel was in their presence? They knew that it was in, and they were so fearful they dared not open their eyes. I've heard those stories. I was talking with either Mackenzie or Elise just a week or two ago, and something was brought up about angels, and one of the two of them, I can't remember which, said something about how scary an experience that would be. And we look at the shepherds and we think, oh, that would have been wonderful. No. The Bible says that they were terrified because 
let's be honest, you show you you're just minding your own business and suddenly a creature that inhabits the immediate presence of God coexists before God in the flesh, if that can be said that way, shows up in front of you. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking to myself, like whichever sister it was, I would probably need to go change. The staggering effect on one's mind alone, if one who exists in the immediate and direct presence of the divine Himself just showed up in your room or at work? Yeah, I'm thinking terrified is the best word we could possibly use to describe how it would feel, and it doesn't do a very good job at that. And the first thing that the angel says is what? Boo. No! Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. This news brought by this angel must have seemed unbelievable. Well, how many of you, if you could just try to put yourself in the shepherd's place, just in their shoes, just try for... How many of you, like me, would still be trying to get over the reality of what I'm looking at speaking to me in the first place. I would probably, eventually, probably, possibly have enough nerve to say, could you repeat that? Because I would have trouble getting past the factor. But who knows? We're Pentecostals. We believe in the supernatural and the miraculous. Maybe he somehow or another just opened their ears so these dumbfounded sheep shepherds actually heard the message in the first place. I don't know. But I would imagine it would seem unbelievable. The, of course, there is this issue. As hard as it would believe, be to believe and process the message that the angel brought that suddenly this foretold, prophesied Messiah is here. He's born. He's in a stable. Of course, you can always fall back on the fact that there's an angel standing in front of you telling you there's a baby of the Messiah born and he's in a manger. You can always fall back on that. Hmm? Luke chapter 2 continuing on with what we've just read, beginning in verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and 
all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now remember, the angel spoke of a sign. Remember what he said. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. Then he says this, this will be a sign to you. It's not a simple proclamation made of words. And then they go about in the field going, where'd they go? And they're supposed to believe. No. The angel said, there's a sign that you can substantiate this statement that I'm making for you. There's a sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes in a manger. Okay, that's the end of the message. The message is that he's born. To substantiate the message is, this is the sign. Find that and you'll know that this is the truth. Did you notice, though, the chain of events here? That none of the shepherds were told immediately, go. This isn't the Great Commission. This isn't Matthew 28. This isn't Mark 16. This is the proclamation that something has changed the paradigm of the scope and theater of mankind. And it's laying in a manger not far from here. If you can go find them and see that, you'll know what I'm telling you is the truth. But they were never told to go. They're told simply that they will find this child. And then they leave. The angels leave. Now, assume that they could have waited. We, I mean, we can assume this is pretty safe. That they could have waited, the shepherds, until daybreak. Right? I mean, it's in the middle of the night. They could have waited until daybreak. Or until their next planned grocery trip to Walmart in, in uh, town. But isn't it interesting that when these shepherds, lowly people out there who smell like the pasture and the sheep, they can't seem to wait, despite the fact they're not told to go. They can't wait to go. And what have they? What do they do? Fear or no fear, completely freaked out or not. They run to Bethlehem for the express purpose to see this thing. And what they find is precisely what the angel told them they would find. What, upon arriving, you you notice the angel kind of helped them out. Because typically... Someone traveling with a pregnant wife who's about to give birth, they'd go find themselves some comfy accommodations. But the angel helped these guys out. He said he's he's going to be in a manger, so you might want to look for wherever livestock is kept. 
That's probably they could probably break that down even further because the main inroads coming into Jerusalem would probably have a limited number and they eventually found the barn. Probably didn't take them terribly long. Besides, they're shepherds on the outskirts outskirts of the city. So they probably knew a good good places to start looking. But when they arrived and they saw this sign was real, what do you think these shepherds thought? What would have been their reaction when they found this scene? You think they wanted to help with diapers? Most guys are going to say, yeah, no. Did they think that they wanted to lay down and rest in the hay? Did they just sit in awe? What did they do? Well, the Bible tells us what they did. We see them act exactly like shepherds tend to act. They sprang into action. They began to spread the word about the baby Jesus and did so with such enthusiasm that the Bible says that those who heard were amazed. Afterwards, they returned to their responsibilities and got back to their flocks. And once they couldn't, and, and, and once they couldn't stop talking about what they had heard and seen, all the while glorifying God. Why? Because God decided to include them in this history-altering event. Shepherds. How many of you have heard that story a hundred times before? Everybody. If you have five minutes in church, you've heard this. That's their story. That's what happened. That's what the Bible says. So, I guess the question that we have to ask ourselves this morning is, if that's their story and we know this story, it's like, we, it's like sleeping or breathing. It's not something that's new to us. What can we learn from them? What can we learn from the shepherds? Well, I'm glad you asked. First thing we can learn is this. When God calls, listen up. When God calls, listen up. Luke 2 and 10 says, And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. That's important stuff. Our world is messed up. But I'm going to be honest with you. To a Jew... At this time in history, their world was pretty messed up too. They had a, what they knew to be, globally occupying force in their country. And they had a royal sicko on the throne in Israel. Things were messed up. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of me, the angel said. But don't be afraid also about anything else because I'm bringing you news that's going to bring great joy. This is predominantly a guy thing. 
But it, I've seen this manifest in women as well. In your youth, were any of you ever diagnosed with the common disorder? It wreaks havoc on people globally. It's called selective hearing. It manifests most often with children being messaged by parents and spouses. <laughs> I just got a yeah from a woman. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. You know, back when we were kids, Dad would say something to the effect of, take out the trash. Huh? Can you, when I get home tonight, I want you to have wed, weeded the garden. We have a garden? What? There's a garden? Isn't it interesting that we have selective hearing on so many things? But I know when I was young... Um, Times were very, very, very different. And a day of outside play was a real day of outside play. Far-flung journeys off into woods and yonder areas around where I lived that today it's difficult to allow your kids to go outside of the fence of the house. But it, under all those circumstances, you know, take out the trash, weed the garden, shovel the driveway. Of course, you guys don't have shovel the driveway here. We have shovel the driveway where I'm from. There's one thing I never, ever, ever remember not catching, and that was dinner time. Yeah, that one I was there for. I heard that one loud and clear. Hearing, the concept of hearing is simply perceiving sound. Listening, on the other hand, is paying attention to the message that's being spoken in order to not only hear it, but to also understand it and subsequently respond to it. Hearing, I mean, you can hear me if you're on your phone looking at sports scores right now. You can hear me. You can hear me if you're shopping for that last minute Christmas gift. You can hear me. But listening is something completely different. It's taking those sound waves that are entering your ear canal and making your eardrum vibrate, creating a message that is then processed in your brain. That's hearing. Listening is when you take that processed message and then go about understanding and executing whatever it is that was spoken about. These faithful shepherds these guys did exactly that. They didn't just hear. They listened. They heard. They understood as best as they could under the circumstances with a completely fried understanding of what is happening right now. They did their best. And then they responded immediately. No selective hearing. None. We see other examples in the New Testament of ones who listened. That is, they heard, understood, and responded to Jesus. Matthew, for example. Matthew chapter 9, in verse 9, the Bible says, As Jesus went out from there, He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me. He told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. A tax collector. To the Jewish people, a traitor. 
How many of you have watched any of the uh, TV show, the, the, the Chosen? I don't know who is involved in casting that place, but their casting of Matthew is genius. It is pure genius. This tax collector is likely an outcast within his own society because that's how the Jews saw them. Jews working for Rome to gather taxes. Matthew listened to the voice of Jesus and made a choice. He, like the shepherds before him, got up and went. Not to a stable. That was a done deal. He went to follow the one born in that stable. Matthew not only heard the voice of Jesus, he listened to the voice of Jesus. And it changed the course of his life. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Whatever your situation is today, whatever it is, with whatever challenges that you may be facing, let me ask you this. Listen for the voice of God. Will you listen to the voice of God? Not simply hear Him, but to also respond and follow Him as He leads. That's what He's asking for. And if you'll notice in the shepherd's case, this wasn't something where some divine edict came down from the throne of God. Oh no, I've got great news for you boys, and it's going to bring a whole lot of happiness to everybody. There's a Savior born. He's in a manger. And here's how you're going to back it up. This is what you're going to find. Gone! They took it upon themselves to move about and spread the word. It wasn't a commission. They weren't ordered. They couldn't help it. Maybe that's what's wrong with the American church or the the Western church today. We aren't desperate for a Savior, so why tell anybody? You see, they were desperate. This is a prophecy fulfilled. They heard about this. The angels showed up, said, prove me. Go find him in a stall. They went and did it, and they went, oh my word, boom! They're they're, uh, evangelists. Just like that. Oh, where we could go this morning. So the first thing that we can learn is when God calls, listen up. Second thing we can learn is when God calls, <laughs> saddle up. Sounds like something you might catch right out of an old Western movie from long ago. Wagon train or some such thing. The imagery is simple. When someone says, let's saddle up, or tells you to saddle up, that means it's time to go. It's time to move on. And that's exactly what the shepherds did following the angelic choir concert that they had experienced. Front row seats, they saddled up. Luke chapter 2, again, verse 15, and the first part of verse 16 says, When the angels had left them and gone to heaven... The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So that's what they did. 
At first glance, we might assume these faithful shepherds just hurried off at the direction of the angelic hosts. Well, we've, uh, how many of you have ever read that story and you think, okay, they're going off because they were told to go. They weren't told to go. Look again at the instructions. Luke 2 and 12. Look at it again. This will be a sign to you. He's already made the proclamation. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. That's all they got. Then they start singing. Everybody opens, gets their Bic lighter out or their cell phone, turns on the flashlight and starts waving back and forth and then they disappear into heaven. Nowhere were they told to go now or tonight or make it hurry up let's go nowhere were they told that they took it upon themselves they got saw this event they heard the message and when it was over it's like oh we gotta go do this anybody ever see a movie come on uh, a trailer on television or some new event up at six flags or some such thing and you're looking at somebody in your house and you go we gotta go do that yeah, that's what just happened. Only this is infinitely more important and impactful. We've got to go see this kid. They weren't willing to wait. Five minutes. They weren't willing to wait for daybreak. They weren't willing to wait for breakfast. They weren't willing to wait for a taxi or an Uber. They weren't willing. The angel told them what they would find, and in the spirit of the old Western movie, they saddled up and they made it to town. There's another story in the New Testament where God spoke, and a person was faced with a saddle-up kind of decision. Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 10, in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Break. We're going to move over to verse 17a. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. This is a good account. This is a good story. I like, I like Ananias here. I really dig this guy. He's real. Ananias was real. If, you, if you're a person who God tells you to go do a thing, have you ever been out in public and God said, go talk to that person about me? Has anybody ever experienced that spirit voice? Okay, the rest of you liars. I'm just telling you, He tells you to go talk to other people about Him, and He does it all the time. And the one thing that we have a nasty habit of doing is, yeah, no, you know, I don't want. I don't know them. I don't know what persuasion they are. They look foreign. There, any number of things, all kinds of things. Well, if you ever are that person, I have been that person. Just remember, there are people in the Bible who are just like you. And if you'll just bow your will, if we will just get into the habit of bowing our will, God has a plan not just for you. I mean, God doesn't speak to you because He thinks you'll obey. God has confidence in you because you're a child of the King. He says, you go do this thing, you're supposed to go do this thing. Wow, newsflash. Yeah, that's His expectation of us, right? Hello? 
That's his expectation of us. So it's not like he thinks, well, I'm going to test this person and see how badly they fail. That's not God. That's not what he does. If he says, I need you to go talk to that person right over there. And you know what's so funny about that statement is that we always know exactly what person. It's never ambiguous. We know exactly who he's talking about. It's like, mm. Just know, he has not, it's not a question about him having a plan for you. His plan's already executed in you. You're saved. Hopefully you're filled with the Spirit of Almighty God so you can uh, exemplify the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit and you can be led by the Spirit of Almighty God. So His plan for you is in action already. He's not trying to drop something new in on you. He's got a plan for that person that needs to hear that word. Okay? That's how important you are. That's how important you are. I've completely lost my place. This story predates, obviously, Paul's, his Saul at the time, his relationship with Christ. However, I, the one thing that isn't in these scriptures here was extracted intentionally is the part of the story um, in verses 11 and 17. Um, it's when we see Ananias reacting to God's command. He wants nothing to do with Saul because Saul has a reputation. <laughs> he tells God that in, under no uncertain terms, this, this guy's a bad guy. I don't want to mix it up with this guy. He's, he's, he's killing your people. He's arresting your people. He's imprisoning your people. And then in Acts chapter 9, in the first part of verse 15, this is what we read. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. Go. Isn't it funny how God unceremoniously ignores our preferences? We think of a loving, merciful God, and we think, oh, he's, he just wants what's best for me, right? No. <laughs> what he wants is his will executed. You are a vessel. And that's what he wants to see done. As we saw earlier, despite Ananias' uh, reservations, he went, he did go ahead and go, and the ministry of Paul was set in motion. A ministry that would literally turn the world upside down. Literally turn the world upside down. The shepherds teach us there is no need to hesitate. When God calls, Ananias shows us that though we may hesitate, if we'll just trust in God, that amazing things are on the horizon. Possibly a world changed in a single individual. A life changed. My life changed. Your life changed. And those changes don't have an expiration date. That's forever. They saddled up. The third thing that we can learn from these shepherds is that when God calls, speak up. 
Listen up, saddle up, speak up. Luke 2, 17 and 18, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. These faithful shepherds, they didn't simply hurry to see this thing that happened. That's not all they did. They weren't mere spectators. They weren't just there window shopping. Having seen it, they were compelled to speak up. Wouldn't you? If something was profoundly affecting you and your nation, your society, and individuals, everyone, something that you knew was slated and scheduled, prophesied, to change all of it, and you get completely blown out of your proverbial water while just minding your own business because God in the form of angelic hosts come down and interrupt your stories. That's what my mom used to call soap operas. Just interrupt everything that you're doing and you're not doing much. You're just living life. And God shows up and says, Hey, guess what? And dumps the whole thing in your lap. I'm thinking you're going to tell somebody. I'm thinking you're going to tell everybody. Well, but Michael, come on. I'm an American. I'm not even Jewish. I don't have any Jewish blood in my lineage for crying out loud. I know I'm French-Canadian. I get it. But Israel was in bondage to Rome at that time, and you and I are in bondage without Jesus Christ to the devil in the darkness, and something has shown up in our stories and changed it all. Don't you think you might want to tell somebody about it? I heard it put this way. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, evangelism, if you want to attach that moniker, is like one homeless person telling another homeless person where they found food. It's mighty inglorious. But when you're dealing with the story of the, of the, of the divine, the transcendent, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-being divine, and your dirt. I think it's worth telling something's up. It's an amazing thing when God breathes on dirt and loves it so much that He comes and dies for it. Unbelievable. In Acts chapter 6 and 7, there's an account of yet another one who was faithful to tell the story about the Messiah. Not of a baby, but of a recently crucified and resurrected adult Jesus. The faithful follower's name was Stephen. And instead of his hearers being amazed, 
They chose a different reaction. They were infuriated. Incited to violence. Here are Stephen's last recorded words. Acts chapter 7, verses 59 and 60. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. Stephen would speak up even with his last breath in order to ask forgiveness for those that were seeking, and not just seeking, but taking his life. Speaking up even as his Lord spoke up on the cross, Father, forgive them. Sounds vaguely familiar, amen? When God calls the faithful, speak up. Not to cast verbal stones. That's not our job. Remember what the Apostle Paul said, and such were some of you. We don't cast stones. We pave driveways with them. We don't condemn. We don't point fingers in judgment. That is not kingdom. That is not Christianity. That is not Christ. The faithful speak up and we share the gospel. The good news. We tell them about Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 2 and verse 20. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Notice the response, and I'm closing, of the shepherds here at the end of their journey. Notice this response. They were glorifying and praising God for what they heard, what they saw, and what they had been told. These shepherds, as far as we know, never changed their vocations. They didn't suddenly get a degree and go into engineering. They didn't stop herding sheep and become IT people. They never changed, likely, but they had become something else nevertheless. They weren't just shepherds anymore. Now they were evangelists. Not because they had been a call and someone had laid hands on them and invoked the name of God and put upon them the office of evangelism. That's not it. They became evangelists because they couldn't shut up about what it was that they had seen and heard. And they had to share because it was within them to do it. The word comes evangelist. The word comes from a Greek word that simply means to tell the good news. To tell the good news. And that's exactly what they had been doing since they had met the baby, Jesus. It's what we're all to do, having met Jesus. Does anybody have a story? Do you have a story? Your life, your being, not the same story as the person sitting in front of you, behind you, or beside you. It's completely unique to yourself. You have a story. That's what we're supposed to be telling. Tell your story. And then you tell his story. 
And in doing that, you join the elite company of evangelists that were doing nothing but resting on a hillside on a starry night with their flock down below when their reality was suddenly interrupted and turned on its ear by the heavenly hosts. When He calls, listen up. When He calls, saddle up. And when He calls, Chip, speak up. Yes? This is a perfect time of year to listen up, saddle up, and speak up. Perfect time of year. Because you have a built-in yard ornament, department store arrangement. Just go over to Betty Stokes' house. She's got a hundred nativities. Just go over there. I'm quite certain she'll be more than happy to open her doors for you to parade lost people through to see that. I'm sure that she will be. You're good with that, right? Okay, she's not even answering me. This is not good, people. We have a perfect opportunity during this season because, after all, is this not the season for gift giving? Why don't you, let's just say, okay, fine. You're not good at buying jewelry. I stink at buying my wife jewelry. I bought her jewelry, and you know what she did? I'm going to get so much trouble for this. She returned it, it was the wrong color. No, she was right. I should have known better. I should have known better. But anyway, and what she got was much prettier. I will admit that. I'm just telling you. But if you're no good at buying jewelry, you can't find a good sweater to give to someone, don't buy them a tie. Leave the socks at the department store. Please. Give them eternity. You don't even need wrapping paper, tape, or a bow. Just give them eternity. You say, but they don't accept it. That's not the point. Give it to them anyway and let them reject it themselves. You're the gift giver. He's provided the gift. Just do the job. Amen? Stand with me. Father, we love You. Lord, have mercy do we love You. Lord, I'm just asking today that You would minister in this house. And Father, if there's any good thing that could come out of this message, Lord, let it, let it find root in good soil. That's my prayer. Lord, I just ask in Jesus' name that you minister to this body because this is a good body. They love you. They love you. And Father, I'm just asking that you give them direction and, and peace in operation uh, to, today, Lord, and during, during the rest of their days, Father, that we would listen up, that we would saddle up, and that we would speak up. Lord, we ask this all in Jesus' holy name. Is there anybody here today that does not know Jesus Christ as your